Welcome to Matcha Moments for the Creative Mind here on Lola Land the Podcast, a sacred space to explore your mental and spiritual wellness. It's time to recommit back to your personal power with ease and efficiency. I'm your host, Lotus Aloba, also known as your favorite mystic practitioner, and this week we are tapping into motherhood. I will be sharing my personal journey on healing the mother wound, reparenting, and mending my once estranged relationship with my own mother. But before we do that, let's get into matcha because matcha is life. Okay, we're going to be doing one of my favorite latte recipes. I feel like mixing and remixing my beauty matcha latte for y'all. So if you have some roses around, maybe you got some roses from Mother Day. Maybe you gave some roses from Mother Day. They're definitely going to be on sale today for sure. Organic, of course. You can totally use them in this recipe. All right. So here's what you'll need. You'll need two ounces of rose water. You can do this by steeping the roses until they lose their color and then straining them. Or you can use a rose tea blend. There's a really good one. That's like Tulsi or something like that. If I remember it, I will put it in the link below. But a regular tea, rose tea, will totally work for this as well. You'll also need two ounces of filtered water, four ounces of alternative milk. That could be coconut, hemp, or oat. They will go really well with this recipe. And then you need half a teaspoon of matcha. You guys know I'm currently using Matcha Fool's Kawami blend, but be on the lookout for my own matcha soon. Uh, some cinnamon for taste, one to two droppers of CBD oil. You guys know I only use open apothecary. There's no strong taste and it goes so well with everything. Then you'll need a sweetener of your choice. I personally use honey, a personal strainer, the really the handheld ones, the small ones, and then half a teaspoon measuring tool and your favorite mug. Okay, that's what you'll need for the recipe. All right. First thing you want to do is add your liquids to your blender first. This is for the uh, modern way of making matcha, okay? This is how we're going to do this latte. But if you have the old school um, bowl and whisk, by all means, chef it up, okay? So you're going to add your liquids into your blender first. Then you'll add that half a teaspoon of your matcha. Please remember with matcha, less is more. You do not need a giant scoop of real matcha to get long-lasting benefits. If you need a giant scoop or two or three scoops of matcha, it's not matcha. It's a blend and it's probably not the highest grade. So you're not going to get those benefits. All right. Then you're going to use your strainer to shift the matcha into the blender. This ensures that the matcha will blend smoothly. Okay. It's a little tedious, but I love to put a little bit of effort into my morning drink. It just, it's my way of creating. All right. Then you add the cinnamon on top. If that's your business, it's mine. Add your CBD oil to make it a little can friendly. Uh, Or you can use THC oil as well, whatever oil works best for you. If you're doing THC oil, I will lean towards a more sativa dominant um, oil to kind of boost the caffeine that is happening with the matcha. Okay. And you're going to blend this in your blender for 20 to 30 seconds or until you see foam develop. That's how you know it's properly blended. And then you add your sweetener. Now you can have this hot or cold. It tastes delicious both ways. If you have it cold, add your sweetener to the blender so that it'll mix all the way. Otherwise you can add it in last if you are having it hot. Okay. Um, you could be extra cute and add a rose petal on top for flair or whatever. Okay, I love to. You guys know I love to do it up with my drink. So I love to add a little bit of roses on top. 
And um, yeah, feel free to tag me in your matcha post. It brings me absolute joy to see y'all sipping on this green goodness and being able to repost and share inspires other wolves to do the same. Okay, so if you are out here sipping your matcha, hopefully you're thinking of me. And you tag me because I genuinely love seeing them. They make my day. I know it's a very simple thing, but I'm a very simple woman. I just really love seeing y'all take good care of yourself. And I know matcha does that for you. All right. Now, about that mother wound I was telling y'all about. First off, let's talk about what a mother wound is, just in case we don't have clarification on that. We will dive into this part a bit more with my big sis, Leora, on the Cosmic Conversations IG Live happening on May 21st at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hopefully, y'all got my email uh, that came out today so that you guys know what's happening. We're doing our first uh, live of Cosmic Conversations. It's going to be a digital event. I'm really excited. It'll be where Leora will give us an in-depth understanding and lead us as a collective in healing our own mother wounds. But until then, psychology today states it is a loss or lack of mothering. It is passed down through generations and it's a reflection on how we have experienced parenting and how we parent unconsciously. Mm, That's like really a lot to unpack. So let's just start off with like mothering, right? That's just when you're feeling that softness, that nurturing, that feminine divine energy coming from your mother, right? Or your mother figure. Again, this doesn't have to be your biological mother. It could be your stepmother. It could be um, a person you looked up to that gives you that mother vibe, okay? Their mothers come in all shapes and forms. Um, but we all have someone that has given us that maternal uh, energy, right? Be it an aunt, be it... Um, a grandmother, you know, be it a, a teacher, you know, I have plenty of different mothers besides my biological mother. And we'll talk about that a little bit later as to why I do. But mothering is just that nourishment, that nurturing that you are supposed to receive from your mother that makes you feel safe, that makes you feel loved, that makes you feel seen, right? And what I also love that psychology today said is that it's passed on the generations. So a lot of times, what we're dealing with our mother with one what we're dealing with with our mothers, they've dealt with theirs and theirs and theirs, right? It's a generational thing. And a lot of times it's very unconscious because, man, I can go really, really deep into this, but I'm trying not to overwhelm everybody so early in the morning. But, you know, each generation has its own strife, right? And for instance, I look at my mother, um, she's a baby boomer. So, you know, that was a big deal, that, that time frame, right? Like the civil rights movement was happening, was in full force and effect. You know, she grew up as a child in segregation and then moved to the city, moved to New York from Alabama and was experiencing integration. So like there's all these different levels of societal traumas that, you know, our parents were dealing with first and foremost, right? And especially if your maternal figure is a black woman or identifies as a black woman or a black body, it, I mean, it's continuously rough for us, right? Even in this day and age, we just have a bit more consciousness about the microaggressions that we were facing, um, the racism that we continue to face. There's so many levels to that. So then you add on the fact that when you look at science, they were not studying a woman's body properly at all. I think like the earliest information we have on like the study of the human body, of the woman's human body, um, and like the female brain are like, 50 years old, maybe 60, right? My mom is 60. So that like, it just gives you context as to like the lack of support and understanding and awareness and knowledge that our parents 
um, even a generation back uh, had access to. Right. So, I mean, we I was just watching this um, this story where they were talking about that at one point in time they were using Lysol, like Lysol to promote to women to handle their menstrual cycles, which is just kind of like what their moon cycles, like what in the world, like Lysol. Okay. So like, and that was literally in like 1960, I want to say they were promoting that maybe the fifties. So again, very, very recently did we come into this awareness, um, of how our bodies work, especially as black bodies. Okay. So when you take that into consideration, it makes sense as this mother moon is being passed down generationally because there were so many other things to focus on that mostly for mothers back in the day and maternal figures, it was just making sure that like the child they were taking care of, like didn't die, right? Was fed most of the time, clothed to the best of their ability um, and hopefully excelling at something academically, right? Those are like the main goals. And if you hit those goals, the emotional well-being of the child was rarely ever looked at, right? Again, this is a generational thing that we are still experiencing to, to this day, right? And then again, as it ex- experienced parenting and how we parent unconsciously, it's passed down through us, right? Epigenetics. I've spoken about this plenty of times on the podcast. You know, there's trauma that lives in our bloodstream. And I also want to say as much trauma as there is in our bloodstream, there's also triumph too. I know we don't talk a lot about the generational wealth that is passed down to us. That may not be financial wealth, but it may be, you know, a resilient a spirit or, you know, a resourcefulness that also can be passed down through our bloodline as well. But for the sake of this conversation, you know, generational trauma, it's, it's, it's passed down through our bloodline. So there are things that, um, we are experiencing that aren't even from our own experience in this lifetime. It could be something we're carrying from our grandmothers. Um, I also, if you guys check out my stories today, uh, in real time on May 10th, it should still be up there. Uh, I made a post about um, how we are in our grandmother's body. Like we've been on earth for a very, very long time, right? Uh, And again, so if we're in our grandmother's body and our great-grandmother's body, and I know for me, if you go down to my great-grandmother, she was a sharecropper, like just barely made a sharecropper, and that's because her father was white. So it's like there's, again, a lot, a lot to unpack there, but it's to give context as to why our parents are the way that they are, because I know it gets really difficult for us to humanize our parents Um, and understanding what they were going through on a global and societal scale um, as they were being raised is super crucial in helping you to heal that wound, right? So how does this affect us? It affects us by stunting our growth and creating codependency behavior, right? A great example is if your maternal figure had substance abuse, right? That can result in the child adapting that behavior too, right? So again, their behaviors, their beliefs, um, that's what they gave us, whether they wanted to or not. <clears throat> so I do want to place this disclaimer. Everyone in some shape or in, excuse me, everyone in some way, shape or form has a mother wound that needs healing. And we aren't here to compare who has the deepest wound, okay? So if you do feel like your mother wound is holding you back, please gather the support you need to work through it. For me, that looked like going to therapy. I'm currently uh, with Soul Care Collective, 
and they have crazy affordable rates with black therapists and practitioners. I absolutely adore my therapist. I'm consistently raving about Dr. J. Uh, she's incredible. And yeah, Soul Care Collective is where it's at if you're looking for an affordable therapist. Very important, right? Um, I unfortunately didn't have this type of therapist when I was healing my mother wound. I did not have the best therapist, but sis did her best, okay? The next thing you want to also have are practitioners. Besides me and my own healing techniques, um, I tapped in professional, into my professional community. So that meant like getting sound healing. That meant um, doing breath work. That meant meditation, yoga. There were different practitioners that I reached out to to better understand myself as a woman um, myself and my baby girl, my inner child, doing a lot of inner child work and then being able to extend that grace and understanding to my mother, to my grandmother and to my great grandmother. <clears throat> then the last thing was my wolves. OK, my close girlfriends and friends. It was sharing my truth with my close friends when they had the capacity. Of course, consent is always preferred, always acts before you share. Uh, but it was really nice to be able to share my experience with my peers and um, know that I wasn't alone in what I was going through or have hope from my friends who did have healthy relations with their mother and be able to know like, okay, this is a possibility, right? I, something I can look forward to and work with. So that's part of what helped me to heal this wound that, um, was really eating me alive for the majority of my life, whether I realized it or not. Okay. My own journey was healing the mother wound. Let me give you some backstory on my relationship with my mother. My mother is a wonderful human being. Um, if any of y'all have ever met Mama Wolf, y'all know she is super endearing. She has Southern charm. She's very, um, she has like a girlish charm, right? Very, very playful person. Uh, those are things that I've grown to really appreciate and love about her as I've gotten older. Um, I didn't necessarily enjoy them in my teenage years. So my mother and I, my mother had me when she was 32, which is like two years older than my age right now. Um, and she didn't think she was going to have children. So she had me with my father. Um, and then unfortunately, you know, my dad just didn't want to be a dad. That wasn't what he signed up for. He kind of signed up just to be with my mom, my mom only. And then I kind of came into the picture and it was just overwhelming for him. So he ended up leaving the situation. Um, and then my mom had to carry that heartbreak, right? Of like, you know, her partner who she was with for like years before I was there decided to leave because I was there, right? And then just having that understanding, that realization can be really tough on anybody, um, let alone a new single mother who did not plan to ever be a mom, right? So we went through that whole thing of me growing up. And fortunate enough, my mother's boss um, at the time, my mom was always on social work. So his name was Billy R. Jones. That's my grandpa. That's my papu. Um, him and his wife really adored my mother and kind of took her in as a, um, like a bonus child, right? Because my mother's mother, my grandmother, my biological grandmother was really sick. Um, she got sick when my mom was about 13. So my mom spent her entire teenage year in adult life taking care of her mother, who was physically unable to take care of herself because she had had a stroke, right? Then she gets married. Then she's like taking care of my father, right? Then she has a child. Now she's taking care of this human being. Um, and my biological grandmother passed when I was four. So she was really on her own with me. So my mom's boss, my grandpa, um, 
it was like, hey, you know, my wife is really great with kids. Why don't you like leave your daughter with her during the week? Um, so you don't have to worry about childcare in that sense. So from my, maybe my first year to 14, Monday through Friday, I was living in Long Island in this big, beautiful house um, with my grandparents, particularly my grandmother, um, and being raised by her. And then I would have my mom on the weekends. So as a child, um, my weekends were really precious to me because it was just me and my mom time, right? I got to see my mom. That was my person. We would have so much fun together. And um, that's the only time that I saw her, maybe two or three days out of the week tops, unless it was holidays. And then even as I got older, I would spend the holidays with my grandparents because, you know, they would take me down south or take me traveling. And my mom, unfortunately, wasn't able to afford to come with because she had to work. So she wanted to make sure I had that opportunity to travel. Um, So fast forward to 14, my grandparents have to move down south for other reasons that I may talk about in a later podcast. Um, and I went to move to the city with my mom and that's when we just realized like, oh shit, (laughs) this is going to be rough, right? Because I had spent all of those development years, right? Developing myself under the guise of my grandmother and my grandfather. Um, so I was my own person at 14. I was a very strong willed, opinionated young girl and, you know, I'm a Scorpio son. My mom is a Leo son. Just to give y'all context, two fixed signs who are very, very, very sure of themselves in a small space and getting to know each other again. And really and truly, I don't think we ever took the time to realize that. I don't think my mom even had the capacity to be like, my child's a teenager and I need to understand what that looks like and feels like. Right. It was more like, OK, now I finally have you 24 seven. Now I can kind of like give you everything that I didn't give you when you were a baby. And for me, I'm like, I'm not a baby, bro. Like I'm a teenager, right? You know, hormones, whatever. So it was really rough. Um, I, we would get into a lot of arguments. It became very verbally abusive, very mentally abusive, emotionally abusive, even um, financially abusive to a certain extent. And I really grew to like resent my mom because I'm just like, why are you making me seem like I am this horrible person? And really and truly, as I look back on it, she was just stressed out, right? It was just like my mom was dealing with a lot of guilt of the fact that she wasn't able to raise me the way that she had wanted to because of capitalism, right? Because she just had to be able to provide for me on a physical level. She wasn't able to do so emotionally, mentally, um, or in that, that mothering kind of way that she, I knew she really wanted to. So she was struggling with a lot of guilt and then witnessing her child be this whole different person than what she had envisioned. Um, It definitely took a toll on us. Right. So our relationship really went sour when I moved in full time. Right. Prior to me moving in full time with my mom, best relationship ever. That was like my best friend. I would tell her about my day, talk her ear off whenever I saw her. It was just amazing being around her. And then, like I said, turn 14, I personally was going through being in one neighborhood for my entire life, right? My best friends, everything was there. Then being shifted into city life, which is way different than growing up on Long Island, by the way. And it being high school on top of that, which just sucks in general. Um, that's like the general consensus. Consensus of like high school is just either is or it isn't. And for me, it was not. Okay. So I'm dealing with that and like navigating a whole new city. Um, a whole new landscape when it comes to education and like um, 
schooling, realizing at 14, like being black was a completely different story as a city kid as it was to like me being in Long Island and my teachers kind of had watched me grow up. So I had a whole different experience with education on top of that. And then now I'm dealing with like this woman who I genuinely don't know, right? Because like I only knew her for the weekends and we just always had fun because my mother wanted to spend time creating good memories for us, right? So given all of that context, we just continuously bumped heads. Um, And then I think when I was like 16 or 17, I really wanted to file for my independence. I just did not want to deal with my mother anymore. I was like, you just aren't, you, I'm, don't want anything to do with you. Um, And as soon as I could move out, I did. I moved out. I became a teacher. That also added strain to our relationship. Um, When I first moved out, my mom felt abandoned. She felt like I was just like cutting her off. And um, she stopped speaking to me for almost like half a year. Um, And then we, I ended up getting really sick. So that brought us back together, right? Every time I got really sick, when I was diagnosed with lupus and rheumatoid arthritis and had my first stroke, I always went back home to my mom um, because I was under this notion that like that was the only person that would really kind of take care of me in a physical sense, right? For my survival, which was important because, you know, these um, diseases were like really killing me, you know, for lack of better words. So... All of that is that background story, Um, moving in and out, feeling really unsafe for a very long time, um, simply because my mom just would have like these crazy mood swings. You know, one day she'd be really great. The next day she'd just be freaking stressed out. And it became really hard for me to even want to come home um, some days because I'm just like, I don't know what I'm coming home to. Right. I could be coming home to like my favorite person in the world. I could be coming home to somebody who... um, just did not have the skill set or the coping mechanisms to deal with the heaviness she was experiencing every single day. And the only thing that she could do um, was just express her anger. And I just happened to be the only person there. Right. So that was our relationship for the majority of my life. So from like 14 to about 25. And in between that, I had my own experiences, right, my own traumas and things that I was going through. And um, I realized that in my early 20s, I had a very big disconnect with the feminine divine energy. And it mainly had to do with the fact that I leaned on the masculine energy within me to get work done, to um, be an overachiever, because I was also trying to unconsciously just, just figure this out in therapy like a few weeks ago, by the way, unconsciously just make my mother feel good. Because I knew that she had sacrificed so much and I didn't want her to think that she was a failure as a mother because I knew that she was already feeling that way about her relationship with my father. Right. Um, And I knew she was already feeling this immense guilt for not being there during my childhood. But I had understood that as a child as to why she wasn't there. I never questioned it. I never felt like my mom abandoned me. Never had any of those issues. Um, But I could see in in our experiences that it would hurt her to be so far away from me, to miss my school recitals, to like miss my gymnastic tournaments and all these different things like that. So I began um, overcompensating, like trying to be the best in the class. So like that way, if she was coming to something, it was like to show off her child in that sense. I was like, that's the best that I can do as a kid, right? But that ended up turning into very toxic masculine energy for me and almost killing me, honestly, um, as I got older because I didn't know when to stop. I didn't know when enough was enough because 
every time I got an award, it was like a gift to my mom. It was a chance for me to say, hey, mom, you're doing great. Hey, mom, I love you. Hey, mom, I know we're not getting along, but you really did create a good person because you're a good person, right? All of these different things that I was carrying, right? So like in a way, though, my mom was my mom. I was in turn trying to be her mother, right? There's that um, parenting that a lot of us go through, whether we are like the oldest child or um, an only child like myself, we tend to try to be our parents' parents unconsciously because we realize that they need that nourishment and they don't have it. Um, So all of that happened. And um, how I began healing was first I had to acknowledge that our relationship was toxic, which is very, very hard to do, especially as a black woman being raised by a black woman. You want no one to think less of your mother because you know the amount of pain and strife that she had to go through um, just to have you be here and be healthy. So even me having to admit that it was toxic, it took me a very, very long time. Lots of deep conversations with close friends um, who, thank God, were just honest with me and being like, we love your mom, bro, but like she's not treating you um, well. She loves you, but she's not loving you in a healthy way because you are super anxious, you are terrified all the time, you know, you're not taking care of yourself. Um, And I didn't realize that that was the impact of our relationship, right? So it was first realizing that this is harmful. And as much as I adore my mother and I think she's a great woman, you know, she wasn't loving me in the way that I needed to be loved to be a better person, right? Um, Then I had to reimagine what a safe space was for me. And that required a lot of inner child work. That required me having to have deep meditations, going back to my inner child, my inner baby girl, and reconnecting with her. Um, and that in itself was very difficult and very hard to do because at some point when you become an adult, right, um, and that can happen at honestly any age, it happens a lot earlier for black women than it should, you have to take responsibility And though it was a lot easier for me to blame my mother for what I was going through, I knew that the real healing wouldn't happen until I decided to take responsibility and start with myself and start with my inner child and saying, hey, I'm really, really, really sorry that I was not there for you and that I wasn't checking in or acknowledging your existence, but I'm here now and I would love to get to know you better, right? I had to start there. I had to start with myself. I had to start mending me first before I could even think about mending the relationship with my mother. Um, Then it became speaking my truth and getting comfortable with saying like, hey, what you're saying to me is harmful and it's toxic and I don't want you to call me that and I don't want you to say these things to me and I don't want you to treat me that way. And, you know, that was hard, you know, because again, I don't know if anyone out here listening is raised by a black mom, like they're forced to be reckoned with. It's like you really got to pick and choose these fights, right? So for me, I got to a point where I was like, every time you do something that does not make me feel well, I will voice it. And I'm, I don't care anymore if it results in an argument. I don't care if it results in your feelings being hurt because you have to stop, right? Because it's, I don't even want anything to do with you right now. And you're my only family that I have. And I would like to change that situation, right? That was really uncomfortable for my mom. Um, I'm sure because it's like your child, your only child who you sacrificed so much for is like, Hey, love me better. Uh, how, right? Like how, 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 how? 
right? And then it was by leading, by example. So like I said, doing that inner work, um, mending my relationship with my inner child, and then treating myself how I wanted to be treated and being an example for my mother of like, treat me this way (laughs) because you don't have the blueprint, right? You don't have the skill set to figure out how to treat me. Understandable. I figured it out. I've done that work and this is how I'll be treated. And if I'm not treated that way, this is the consequence for that. If you're not able to treat me in a more compassionate, kinder way, I will just spend more, less, more time away from you. And it's not as a punishment, but it's simply because if I'm not going to be cherished in this space, I'm going to go to where I am being cherished, right? And that also led me to having different mother figures in my life. Um, as I was growing up, um, a lot of different teachers became mother figures to me. Mentors became mother figures to me. Um, one woman in particular, Miss Diana, was just absolutely a godsend. She is an angel on earth, and she helped me a lot in softening my heart again because it was definitely very hard and rigid um, and being able to even open myself up to the possibility that I could be loved by a mother figure that way, right? Because my grandmother was intense too, but we're not going to get into that today. Um, Right. So did all of that, worked on myself, worked on myself, had my own issues. You guys know that I spoke about being diagnosed with bipolar 2 disorder and all those things. Having to even share that information with my mother was extremely hard. I was diagnosed really young um, and I didn't tell her until I was in my mid-20s because it was just something that I knew she would have thought I did something wrong for you to have these like mental disorders, right? She just was really carrying this sense of guilt and I was a witness to it and I just didn't want to put her through more pain than I felt that I was already putting her through. Um, So doing all of that, separating ourselves for... um, a long time actually a few years then coming back together that's when we started healing right because I had really established myself I was making my own money um I was doing pretty well in my career at the time I was a teacher in the traditional sense um I had like a very supportive uh group around me supportive boyfriend at the time so I was feeling really um sure of myself and feeling like okay I can try again, right? I can try with my mother. Um, And then it became like setting healthy boundaries, saying to my mom, look, this is what I will accept and this is what I won't accept. And, you know, if you're not able to give me these things, I understand that. I just can't be around you the way that I would like to. Um, And that was, again, very difficult because my, my extended family, my aunts, my uncles would always try to um, humanize my mother Uh, for me and I just wasn't there yet to hear that because for me it was like this person who was I didn't ask to be brought into this world right um on a physical sense because you know spiritually it's a different story I it was a child right when all this was happening and she was treating me like I was her equal or like an adult and it's like I get that you guys are trying to explain to me what she went through in her life but like I don't even care about that right now because I'm still trying to understand why this person that I can feel loves me so much would hurt me so much, right? So setting those healthy boundaries was really difficult, especially with the Leo mom. It was not easy at all, okay? It was definitely a lot of um, repetition and a lot of standing my ground and that not being an easy thing to do either. Um, And then it became looking at her as a woman outside of the title of mother, This is when I was able to start shifting the narrative from negative to positive. Um, 
this was a big turning point for me because I was no longer saying as a mother, you did not do what you needed to do. Right. And I got this insight actually from my spiritual mama in my head, uh, Dr. Maya Angelou. I listen to all of her books, um, her audiobooks because I love hearing her voice. And she has a book called My Mother and I. That's really beautiful and healing. And there's another book where she speaks about her relationship with her mother. And it was the same thing. When she was a child, it was rough. It wasn't, she didn't like her mother at all. Her mother was not the best mother as for a child. But as she got older, um, she was able to start to see her mother as a woman. And when she shifted that perspective with her mother, they were able to heal um, through things that, you know, you don't think you can heal through, right? Because um, I believe, like, her mother's partner was, like, the person that, like, took advantage of Maya when she was a baby and stuff like that. So, like, there were, like, real deep-seated issues there. But once she took away the title of mother and just said, as a woman, I can see you, she began to heal that relationship. And that was so moving to me, um, that I want to try it for myself. And so I did. I started to ask like my extended family members about like how my mom was before she had me, you know, getting to know her personality when she was younger. Um, and then when my mother and I got better at communicating, asking her, asking her like, you know, what was her life like? What does she like to do? Um, and realizing that, you know, again, at 13, she had to take care of an entire human being, you know, she didn't really have much of a childhood or a teenage life. So when I was going through what I was going through as a teenager, she couldn't relate because she didn't have the experience. She went to school and took care of her mom, right? I'm going to school dealing with like mean girls and boy drama and, you know, um, all these different things. And she just didn't have the space and time to, she didn't have the experience to relate to me. I never realized that until I took away that title of mother and looked at her as a woman first and foremost, right? And looked at like, well, what were you going through during those ages? Wow. There's no way you could have related to what I was going through at all. With what experience, right? And then that helped me to have even more of a softer heart and to even begin forgiving the experience that I had with her. Because it's just like you just, I know that if she knew better, if she had the skill set, she would have applied them. She just wasn't, she unfortunately was robbed of her own childhood and her own teenage years and her own adulthood, Right. So again, as I started to understand what she was going through as a woman, it helped us in having an honest conversation about the abuse that I went through um, and realizing that she in her own way went through the same thing with her mother, right? And just never spoke about it because it wasn't something you spoke about because her mom got sick at such a early age. It just was like, I don't want to taint that image of my mom. I just much rather remember the good parts about her than, you know, the fact that we actually didn't have the best relationship um, up until she got sick. And then once she was sick, it didn't, it was a different relationship completely. I was her caregiver in that sense. Right. Um, <clears throat> and then it was coming back to mother nature. My mom and I took a beat, a trip to the beach in Coney Island one day. She kept saying she wants to go to the beach. And I was like, Oh my God, like you're totally annoying me. Like, fine, let's go to the freaking beach mom. Right. Just being a bit of a brat. And we go to the beach and as we're driving down there, she's getting so excited. Like it's like a little girl is coming out. Right. And she's like, oh, my God, I haven't been to the beach since like 1979. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Like, we live in New York City. Like, Coney Island is right there. Like, you rent cars all the time. She's like, yeah, no, I just I've never had the chance to go back to the beach. And I'm just like, mom, like, 
that's a long time, like, you know, and she was just telling me, like, you know, when my mom got sick, I take care of her, then I was in college, you know, then my dad died, then my mom, you know, then I had you, then I got married, she's like, I just never really had time to, like, do those things, I don't know when I would have been able to do them, then I was working all the time, too, you know, and I'm just, like, listening to her, like, wow, 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 Something as simple as being able to go to the beach. Mind you, by that time, I had went to the beach, not only to all the beaches in New York State, but to beaches all over the country and the world at that point. And I'm just like, my mind is blown, right? Like, two different lives. Two different lives. Um, and we went to the beach, and it was just something about being in Mother Nature that was just so healing and therapeutic for us. And, you know, she just kind of just shared how... She wished that we could have had more times like this when I was growing up, um, but she just wasn't able to give that to me because she had to provide for me financially. And I completely understood that, you know, I completely understood where she was coming from in that sense. And that was just like a lot for me to come to that realization of like, you really would have done more if you could have done more, you know? So we went through all of that and now we are, um, we went from not speaking at all to speaking weekly, which works for us, right? It's, I would love to have everyday conversations with my mom, um, but we're just not there yet. And I have to also respect that as well. Um, we hang out when we can and that's a lot of fun when we do get to because it's not often. So we really focus on making sure that we're just enjoying each other. Um, which is great, and just enjoy each other as women, like, you know, like, laughing and talking about, um, like, our days and, like, what we're going through, it's just nice, it's nice to be like, okay, mom, like, I can kind of see um, our relationship shifting, and it's exciting, because, again, as I got older, um, especially towards my late 20s and realizing, like, I might actually really want to have a family, it became like, I want you to be a part of my family, but like, if you're going to continue to treat me this way, I can't guarantee that you won't treat my children this way. And I just, you know, I'm not having that. And, um, that was one of those hard boundaries that shifted my mother as well, because I believe that when you are able to approach your parental figure, whether it be maternal or paternal and come to them as an adult, an adult sure of themselves and sure of what they want and having a clear vision because I think all of that matters and the energy that is exchanged. Um, if they really, really, really love you, which they do, right? They just may not be great at showing you it. They may have a lot of trauma blocking their expression of it. They will learn to shift for you. They will learn. They will figure it out. They will be more open. They will let their guard down. They will be more flexible. Okay, and I'm telling you that my mom is a baby boomer, 63, okay, very set in her ways, not an apologetic woman at all, very much like if you don't like what I'm doing, then leave, and being at peace with that, okay, my mom never mourned or missed people that she let go of either, I also grew up witnessing that as well, so when I came to her and I was like, look, I want to have a family one day, and I would love for you to be in their life because I think that you're incredible, but I will not tolerate the behavior that you gave me when I was growing up. My children are not going to experience that. They're not going to experience that through me because I'm going to therapy to make this work, to make this happen so they don't have these experiences, and you will not continue that experience for them as well. 
And if you can't guarantee me that you're going to be willing to grow and, and, and leave these negative behaviors behind, you're not going to be in their lives. And I, and I have to be that way because our relationship almost killed me, right? It, it was just heartbreaking. And when I came to her that way, not like in a threat or things like that, just being honest of like, yo, I really want you in my future, but you can't bring this heaviness there. She was willing to figure it out and she continues to amaze me in the ways that she is willing to be softer and kinder and to speak about her own traumas and release them um, so that she can be that grandmother um, when it is her time. Um, So it's just been really amazing. And um, as recently as like two weeks ago, we had a a conversation where she reached out and she was like, hey, I didn't know that you thought that I was abusive, which again, you know, Leo moms just picking and choosing conversations. And I was like, I definitely know I told you, but sure, mom, here we are. What's up? And she was like, you know, I just want to tell you, like, I'm really sorry. Like, I didn't know that that's what it felt like for you. Um, I just was really frustrated and it was a lot. It was a lot to take care of somebody my entire life, right? And not just me. She's talking about my father. She's talking about my, my grandmother. You know, she just never really had her own life in that sense. And, you know, she was like, I'm sorry if that made you feel like that. And if I really hurt you, that was never, you know, my intention. But I realized that I did. Um, and I'm sorry, right? Which again, Leo moms don't apologize. So I was like, whoa. And I just told her, I'm like, mom, you know, I don't hold any of that against you. You know, one, it's just not healthy for me to do. But two, it's just also not fair. I see and I understand you now as a woman, as a person, as a human. You were given a very heavy hand um, in life and you did your absolute best. For you to still be as playful and as joyful as you are, given the struggle that life handed you, and for you to be able to raise me, and for me to be able to be who I am today, you have gone above and beyond what anybody could have ever done with what they were given, with what you were given. And I hold none of that against you at all. And yeah, I'm not going to lie. When I was a teenager, I definitely did, but I also didn't have the foresight or the um, expanded awareness to understand what I do now. You know, as in me being a 30-year-old woman, I can't imagine if at 13 I had to start taking care of you um, because you weren't able to take care of yourself. I could never even imagine doing that at all, you know? And like, you know, I'm two years away from when you first had me. I'm not even prepared to have children yet. And like, here you are, you know, doing your absolute best. So. Being able to even have that conversation with her, um, which is really healing too for her because she was able to forgive herself for her actions and know that even when you're messing up, quote unquote, and you're making all these mistakes and you're not handling this the best way, the universe somehow is still able to work everything out (laughs) in your favor, right? And now we are starting new again and it's wonderful i absolutely love this new chapter that i'm in with my mom and you know i only hope that it continues to get better and better because i would love to have more positive stories in our relationship to share with my children when i'm ready to have them um 
because my mom was a badass bitch and I will always celebrate that about her. And um, it just it just shows me so much that people can change. Like love is really that powerful. When you're really focusing on love, you can do anything. And that's just like, I don't, I feel like that's like the best lesson, right? So let's get into the CPR method for healing your maternal relationships, okay? As I wipe back my tears of joy, because again, this is such a healing experience, even for me to be able to share my story with you guys um, on this podcast. Uh, definitely very uncomfortable, by the way. I don't know if you guys can hear it. Very, very uncomfortable. But I also know that it's necessary to be this transparent because we are I just know so many women that are going through very similar experiences with their mother and are trying to figure out how to begin mending this uh, relationship because you realize how important it is to how you show up in every relationship in your life, especially if you're looking to having children or having a relationship with children, right? I mean, me being an aunt, like... (sighs) This had to happen. Otherwise, I just would have projected onto, you know, these babies who don't deserve to have those experiences. Right. So the CPR method, you guys know, I have the OG method. Please check back to a previous episode. But I remixed it for this intention. So the first one is C, create a new image of your mother or maternal figure. Understand that your mom or maternal figure was a woman before becoming your mother. Okay, and that level of transparency and support that we have as millennials and the future generations have and are experiencing that wasn't available to them. Right. They didn't have this. Right. Therapy was a quote unquote white person's thing. Right. We didn't talk about going to therapists. We didn't talk about um, if our vitamin D levels were low or B12 levels were low. We didn't even know that that meant that we would have mood swings and it would like fuck up our understanding and our perspective of like, um, experiencing our emotional body, right? All these things that you know now, your mother didn't have access to. So when you have that understanding, it allows you to be like, whoa, who would I have been had I not been exposed to these techniques, to this type of community, to this type of healing? Probably the exact same way, right? Then you wanna see if you can learn about your maternal figure when she was your age, Or think about, you know, the things that she was experiencing, right? Or the things that you're experiencing right now and apply them to her. Maybe you've never met your mother, right? Or maybe um, you guys are just too estranged where you can't even have that conversation. Completely understandable. If you can, for your sake, for your heart, and for your future, and if you choose to have children for their future, think about the things that you're going through right now and apply them to your parent and then add in that layer of the fact that all this extra support that you're exposed to they weren't exposed to and then add on that layer of if they identify as a person of color what that struggle was during that time that they were your age add all of that in there because all of that applies to how they showed up to be your parent okay and then you want to see what her relationship was like with her own mother, if you can. Again, I know a lot of times we don't have the information to go that far back. Um, and that's when ancestral work comes in, where you can find a practitioner who can help you pull back into your own ancestry and find that information out. 
Um, but if you are able to do that, ask those questions, ask that extended family, like, hey, what was grandma like when she was, you know, raising you or raising mom? And you'll find out, you know, we all tend to love our grandparents, like love them, ride or die for our grandparents. I know I did. But when I hear my aunts um, and my uncles talk about being raised by them, it's a whole different situation, right? Because they kind of were like the trial period. And then it was like, ooh, when I have grandkids, I'm not going to do these things. I know I'm going to be a little softer, a little bit more playful. Um, so, yeah, it's very telling. And most times you realize that she was just giving you what was given to her when you're able to understand that dynamic between her mother and her parents or her mother and her mother, if you can. Okay. The P part of the CPR method for healing the mother wounds uh, is practice forgiveness. Mm. Once you humanize your mother figure, the next step is to forgive. And I had to start with myself. I strongly suggest that you do start with yourself before you start with someone else. I find it very difficult for me to forgive other people if I haven't forgiven myself. And we all have a role that we play in our experiences, right? Um, that comes back to taking ownership over your life. No matter what happened to me in my life, and I have had very unfortunate experiences um, growing up, a lot of struggle and strife, I take full responsibility for those acts, for, for what I experienced. Um, and not in the sense of, oh, I'm not going to ask that other person involved in that experience to take responsibility. That's what I'm hoping that they eventually do. But I really have no control over that. I have no control. Right. If my mother chose not to take responsibility for her actions and choose to change her ways, there's nothing I can do about that at all. I can't force her to. I can't do anything that she's not wanting to do herself. But what I can do is focus on myself and focus on me. And even in me looking back at my teenage years and realizing like, mm, I really could have handled that better if I knew better. Right. And just giving myself grace for that and giving myself forgiveness for being a moody fucking teenager, because essentially that's what I was. You know, and being at peace with that and knowing like that was just a part of my experience. And if I could have done better, I would have done better. Right. When I was able to give that to myself, I was then able to give that to my mom and be like, mm, in this situation, she did not handle that well at all. But I, I really believe and have hope that if she knew better, she would have done better. If she was given space to be adequately rested, um, nourished, hydrated, <laughs> Um, emotionally supported, um, not stressed out by her job, all these other variables, I really believe she would have been better in that situation. And just having that understanding helps so much, right? And I also want you guys to understand too that forgiveness is a never-ending practice. You don't say, I forgive you, and then that's that. That's not how this works. It's a daily process. It's a in the moment when my mom says something that just kind of triggers me and I'm just like oh girl that's not it I had to take a deep breath step back usually get off the phone because that's really helpful for me you know um come back home to myself do something that makes me feel good and then get into that space of like okay it's really hard to break habits right and you know this because of your own experience and you are a practitioner you literally study self-care for a living you study how energy works for a living and it's hard for you. So let's apply that to your mother who is not actively studying these things. This is going to be a little bit more harder for her. Can we give grace right now? Can we extend some forgiveness? 
um, for her falling back into an old habit that she's lived with for decades prior to your existence, right? That helps. That helps to keep you soft and keep you in a loving space, but it also helps your mom. And even if you're able to vocalize and express that to her, like, look, hey, mom, I realize, you know, you may not have had the tools or the experience to not do this again. But I want to bring it to your attention because it's really painful when you say these things because I'm actually really doing my best. And when you're criticizing me in this way or when you're making these comments to me, I know you don't think that they hold weight, but they do. And I don't want to carry that weight. So stop placing it on me. Right. Being able to have that still direct, still to the point, you know, but it's not like, hey, you keep failing me as a mom. And I hate that. Right. There's. A different way to go about it and again forgiveness gives us that perspective and that um, verbiage to express ourselves and to release that weight from our life the last thing is recovering through therapy <clears throat> I am a therapy advocate um, and again it doesn't have to be traditional therapy it could be finding a life coach it could be finding a practitioner that works with you well you know I have personal clients that I work with monthly and we check in on things, it's totally fine. Therapy in the sense of you taking intentional time every so often, maybe it's every week, maybe it's every two weeks, maybe it's a monthly situation where you are doing something therapeutic for yourself and that experience that you were healing through. It is so important. Maybe it's going to a dance class and just dancing it all out of your body. Maybe it's art therapy. Maybe it's emotional freedom tapping, which I strongly suggest for anybody who has a, um, who has, who is able to identify their mother wound. Energy tapping is huge because our body literally stores every trauma, every experience that we go through, even long after we've forgotten it and we no longer remember that situation. Our bodies do, and we can be in a certain space and smell a certain thing, see a certain color, um, experience a certain breeze and all of a sudden our bodies go right back to that trauma emotional freedom tapping really helps us to remove that trauma from the body unblock any energy that's stagnant in the body and release it so that when those moments come up we can identify it we can breathe through it we can move through it and we can heal okay um it might be traditional therapy like i said soul care collective absolutely adore them Talking it out may be helpful. Maybe having a sister circle or a healing circle where you get to be around people that you feel safe with and expressing those stories and not to have trauma bonds, right? But to express your trauma in a safe space and then transmute that energy so that it can become healing not only for yourself, but for the other people that are involved, right? All of those things are going to allow you to really heal that mother wound and to be able to move forward in life knowing that you are closer to the feminine divine in your own personal way and that you are even making space for your mother to hopefully eventually have that healing and your elders and your ancestors okay um so again the cpr method for healing your maternal relationships and that mother womb create a new image of that maternal figure practice forgiveness with yourself first and then that maternal figure and then recover through therapy be it life coaching, be it sister circle, be it EFT, whatever it is, okay? <clears throat> Before I go, I want to say this. If you are a mother, here's some wisdom from a daughter. 
get the support you need to live your best life. We deeply appreciate the sacrifice for the toys and the experiences that you've given us, but we would much rather see you enjoy. Much rather see you at peace. I would give back every toy, every trip, every experience if that would help my mom find peace sooner, live her life in the moment. So I just wanted to extend that as a daughter to any mothers out there, whether you are a new mother or you're an OG. Your children really just want to see you happy and will do absolutely anything to ensure your happiness. We know more than you think that we do. <laughs> and you were once a child. I'm sure you know the same thing. Really focus on taking care of yourself first because that is powerful. That is a lesson that we need early on in life. Okay, this is a pretty heavy episode. I really hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, please join me on IG Live on May 21st with the goddess that is Leora Edut as she guides us on a better understanding how we can heal the mother wound. This will be a live recording um, of that week's Cosmic Conversation for the Lobo Land Podcast. The healing begins at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you receive my weekly email, you can go back to that email and click her image and it will add the event to your calendar so you don't miss it, okay? Uh, and then, of course, gear up for this week's Cosmic episode where I will be <sighs> talking to an incredible being of light about how we can honor our elders and ancestors, which is so important to our mental well-being and to our relationship with the feminine divine. So special guests, the people on the email list already know who she is. <laughs> but um, if you're not on the email list, you got to wait till Friday to find out because you should be on the email list. Get, come on, let's get into it. The link is in the show notes. Go ahead, click subscribe, get into it. Also, make sure you subscribe, rate, share, and comment on this podcast, okay? Absolutely love you all. I really hope that you enjoyed the matcha recipe. Try it out. Take a picture. Let me know. And I really hope that me sharing my uh, experience with my own mother provides a space for you to begin healing with yours. Um, thank you again for tuning in, and I will see you for the next episode. Love you to the moon and back. Bye.